hotel It's gonna be a great Noel It's the advent calendar house Muffins, black and smurfs And even Garfield's Halloween We're gonna take a trip down memory lane Frosty, Rudolph, and a bunch you've probably never seen It's Mike and pals that come to entertain Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast for people who keep their money piled in unsecured conference rooms. It's Scrooge Sunday again, and today's Dickens-inspired episode takes us into the future, to the space-age year of 2062, by way of 1985, for an extra merry edition of the Jetsons. This is a Jetson Christmas Carol. I am intoxicated talking Roomba in a maid costume, Mike Westfall. And joining me is a flying drone threatening to show me my fondest memories of being a jerk to my peers and loved ones. Please welcome Jack from the Total Christmas Podcast. Hello, Jack. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much for being here. Uh, I love your podcast, and I know you also enjoy talking about many different adaptations of A Christmas Carol. Yes, yes. So I wanted to find one you hadn't covered yet, and then it came to my attention that The Jetsons takes place in the year 2062, apparently. It says it at some point. Uh, And on the show, George Jetson is 40 years old. That means he's going to be born this year. Yes, on on the 31st of July, apparently. Yes, 31st of July. Shares a birthday with Harry Potter. Who knew? Is that right? Apparently, uh, in the book. I did not know that. Okay. Carl, you've done your research, haven't you? <laughs> I thought I'd done my research by knowing it was the 31st of July, and then you just go and trump me like that. Oh, that and, I'm, I'm impressed that you pulled that off at 31st of July. That's more research than most of my friends do when they're on here. So thank you. That was it. That's all the research I've done. All right. We did it. Uh, Jack, did you watch The Jetsons as a kid? No, no, not really at oh, all, wow. actually. It it was, I, I became aware of it more in, I think it was the 90s. I don't quite know what happened. If it's like, there was a film, the, a film came out, but what year, do you remember, do you know what year the film was? Have you got that in front of you? No. Uh, 1990, I think. Yeah, so that could have been it. So I think when the film came out, it got a bit of a resurgence on on, our, on TV. I don't really remember it at all before then. Um, and then it got a sort of like a bit of primetime showing uh in the uk and when i say prime time i mean like children's cartoon prime time um like after school stuff uh but and I, I watched a few episodes but no i could i could remember very little about it so it was yeah i didn't even bother watching this episode actually what i did was i watched a christmas episode of the flintstones and then just imagined instead of robe um, instead of animals going oh it's a living <laughs> i imagined robots doing that is that pretty much what it is uh, yeah, you weren't far off. Cool. Okay, I should be fine then. Hey, all right. Uh, <laughs> I watched it. I don't want to say Can I just say, actually? Yeah, I sure. forgot about this. Did you know I was coming? You knew I was going to be on the show? I did. Yeah. So why didn't you just chuck a cup of salt down on the icy patch? I nearly <laughs> broke my neck oh, on that. And I'll tell you what, I slipped up, landed on my back. I'm led there. I'm thinking, I'm going to sue this guy 
I'm going to sue well, him so that when the ghost of Christmas future comes along and takes him to see his future, he's going to see me in a mansion on the money that I've sued him for. Uh, if you've watched well, the Christmas, if you've watched this episode, kids, you'll know the hilarious joke I just made. It's a very hilarious joke. <laughs> well, we had a good run. That's our show. I have no more money left. Uh, no, I, I definitely like the Jetsons better than the Flintstones growing up. Uh, oh, wow. I was... I was really looking forward to a future with flying cars and conveyor belts in my house, uh, but we still got a ways to go before that, it seems. <laughs> but that show started in 1962 by Hanna-Barbera, and that's where the 2062 setting comes from. So it's supposed to be oh, 100 years 100 into years. that future. Oh. Uh, but then they only did one season, and then it came back 20 years later, over 20 years later, in, in 1985, which is when this episode took place. They re not rebooted it, but they just brought it back from the dead, really. And that's how that movie came along in 1990, because there was a resurgence of it. Ah, there we go. It, it, when it came out, it was the first color cartoon on, on was it ABC? Is that right? Is that what I read? Uh, probably. I didn't look that much. Yeah, so it was, it was in color before the Flintstones, apparently. Yes, that's right. Flintstones started out black and white. But yeah, all the voice cast was still alive at the time, so they just brought everyone back, and I could barely tell the difference as a kid between an old episode and a new one. Really, the only way you could tell was how the episode ended. If it was an old episode, you had that George getting caught in the treadmill out back going, Jane, stop this crazy thing! That was the older episode. It wasn't in this one. Uh, do you know what? That doesn't ring any bells with me at all. Oh, so. okay. There we go. Well, this is one of the newer episodes. If you want to seek it out for yourself, a Jetson Christmas Carol is on season two, episode 41. First aired on Friday, December 13th, 1985. It's essentially a season finale, but they didn't really do season finales for cartoons back then. So it was just the last episode they produced in this run. Can we just can we just cover the the intro? Can we talk about the intro? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so um I hate it. <laughs> I can't. I can't. It was released as a single, apparently, and, and was a. It said what was I read it? on Wikipedia said it was a a hit single from 1986. But then I looked it up. I couldn't find that it charted or anything. So yeah, it was written by Hoyt Curtin, and he wrote the Flintstones mm -hmm. and the Smurfs and Quick Draw McGraw and like loads of other Hanna Barbera stuff. And the Flintstones is just a fantastic tune, and the Jetsons. It just. It's awful. And it really annoyed me because I thought, because I, I, you can sing along to the Flintstones one, but it's, you can't sing along to that. It's just words to music, which I suppose is what singing is. <laughs> but That's what singing is. But it's very few words, very little amount of words. Yeah. And it sort of feels like it, it doesn't feel like it ends properly because Jane, his wife, that's the last words. Done. I, I thought that the, the theme, the intro bit, very reminiscent of Married with Children. Where Ed sat on the couch giving out all his cash. A little bit, yeah. I wonder I wonder if they took that from the Jetsons. It certainly looks like it. Yeah, I wondered. It, it feels like something I've seen elsewhere as well, because like especially the last bit where because on, on Married with Children, the, the, what Peg never took like the whole batch of money, whereas Jane, his wife, takes his wallet rather than takes the, the whole wallet. Yeah, that's it, yeah. Didn't want to make it that obvious, I guess. Yeah, so I and I wanted to get that point across. So I've said my bit. Terrible. <laughs> no, thank you. Well, while we're on that point, let's meet the voice cast real quickly. We have George O'Hanlon as George Jetson. That's your shopping list? It looks like the Martian phone book. Uh, besides this, he's best known 
as a character named Joe McDokes that I've never heard of, but he was in a series of short comedies films from the 1940s and 50s. They sound familiar. The way Wikipedia described it is they were fake instructional films with titles like So You Want to Give Up Smoking and So You're Going on Vacation. And it sounds like those old cartoons with Goofy from around the same time. You know what I'm talking about? I do know what you mean. Yeah, I I, I saw that on Wikipedia, but I didn't. Yeah, they were all so you something, weren't they? Yeah, most right. of them. Yeah, loads of them as well, like dozens. Yeah, a whole bunch of them. So I thought, I wonder which came first, these or the goofy ones. And it was the goofy ones. Uh, yeah. Started about a year before with the art of skiing. So just a strange bit of information. Everybody liked to uh, make fake documentaries back then, instructional yeah. videos. It was a big thing. So that's George O'Hanlon. He died in 1989, right before he could finish the dialogue for the Jetsons, the movie. So do you know what happened? They, uh, He and Mel Blanc died before finishing the dialogue, and they had, it was actually the same voice actor, Jeff Bergman, finished both of them. Oh, wow. There we go. Interesting little fact that uh, they, they never got to see the finished product, but. But then we have his boy, Elroy, voiced by Dawes Butler. Mom, are you and Dad going to be generous with gifts this year? Who was kind of an MVP of Hanna-Barbera voice actors. He was Yogi Bear. He was Huckleberry Hound. He was even Captain Crunch. Was he Scrappy-Doo as well? Is that right? Might have been. That sounds familiar. And wrong! Last time I mentioned him on this podcast, he was Raggedy Andy. Oh, I listened to that one. Yeah, well, he was basically using his Elroy voice for that role, too. And next we have Daughter Judy, voiced by Janet Waldo. I don't think I've talked about her yet. Oh, I just love this time of the year. Everyone is so happy and cheerful and generous. But she was Josie in Josie and the Pussycats. And Penelope Pitstop, if you've ever seen Wacky Races. Oh, yes. The perils of Penelope Pitstop. Yeah, that's right. She had her own. She was a bit of a right, wasn't she? Yeah. Very attractive young lady. If I was the hooded claw, I would have been after her. <laughs> uh, and Janet Waldo was the last surviving member of the original Jetson cast. She died in 2016 at age 97. Oh, well. And we have Jane, his wife. My Christmas list is a closely guarded secret. Voiced by Penny Singleton, who before this was best known for playing the comic strip character Blondie. I think she's got to still be best known for that, hasn't she? I used to love the Blondie. Did you watch the Blondie films? I did not. I did, right? So in about in the sort of mid to late 80s, on a Saturday, I say lunchtime, on one of the big channels, they used to show one of her films like every every week. Oh, wow. Because it was dozens. I say dozens. It was over a dozen, I'm sure. Um, Looks like yeah, it. Yeah. And I, I, used to, I used to love watching Blondie. On a, it's like, yeah. So Saturday morning, sort of spend the time watching cartoons and then they chuck on a Blondie film. Yeah. And it ran for like well, weeks because there was dozens of them. Yeah. Sure. You never saw one? Didn't see one. Didn't even know it existed till I was an adult. You haven't lived, Mike. Haven't lived. <laughs> well, I guess not. Well, I know what I'm doing after this. going to go seek out the <laughs> Blondie movies. Maybe they have a Christmas episode. Do you know what? That actually, I should, yeah. If they do, please cover it because I'd love to hear that. Absolutely. I'll bring it back on. No, I don't. I don't know enough about it. I don't know much about the Jetsons, <laughs> right. actually. Well, I would like to, yeah. Uh, but lastly, we have Astro the dog, voiced by Don Messick. Astro, have you been peeking at by this? Through me? Uh-uh. 
I think the last time I mentioned Don Messick on here was as Papa Smurf. And I can kind of hear Papa Smurf in Astro's voice just with more dog. But he was Scooby-Doo as well, wasn't he? He was Scooby-Doo, absolutely. And this and this came before Scooby-Doo, so it's pretty much the same voice, really, isn't it? Yeah, a little different. Like a little Scooby different, Doo, yeah. Yeah, this is a little more gruff, like a ruff, ruff, ruff. That's it. So the family's all gathered around the breakfast table, and we have their, their Christmas laser tree, as they call it. And it's an interesting-looking tree that they have. It looks like the kind of tree Lucy wanted Charlie Brown to get for their Christmas play. Oh, uh, yeah, I didn't think of that. Yeah, you're right. Very stylized tree with lots of sharp angles. The ornaments are actually orbiting the tree because it's the future. <laughs> uh, and the family's gathered around the breakfast table, complete with legless hovering chairs and robotic arms that open your mouth and feed you. And I don't like the amount of trust our grandchildren's generation is putting in these robotic arms feeding them. Yeah, and it, and we're sort of like got a vacuum cleaner to suck away the, the residue around Elroy's mouth as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. I'm not ready for that level of trust. Over on the side, we have Astro sneaking a look at Jane's very long Christmas shopping list, still using paper in the future when an app might have been better there. And George asks how they can afford to get that many gifts, and Jane admits they can't, adding, no one worries about things like that at Christmas. Do you know, it's it's funny because as I was watching it, I was sort of thinking, this isn't funny, but I bet if this, because the 60s series had a laugh track, didn't it? Yes, it did. Yeah. And this was the 80s, and it didn't. And I was thinking, I bet they would have chucked in a laugh there. It's like, they should have. They should, yeah, well, it might give me the cue to go, oh, that was meant to be funny, was it? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as George heads off to work on Christmas Eve, the rest of the family get ready to head to the Moon Mall. At this point, can I just mention how attractive um, Jane Jetson is? Absolutely. Before I started my Christmas podcast, I was going to do another podcast where I just talked about stuff. And they were, I did. Like, I recorded three episodes, but I never put them out. And in each episode, I talked about attractive cartoon characters. And at the end, I was going to like rank them all. What was the most attractive ever cartoon character? And I never thought of Jane Jetson, but she she's very attractive. She's gorgeous, I would say. Um, and she's seven years younger than George, so she's like a proper trophy bride. Oh, but wow. she was only eighteen when Judy was born. Really? Yep. And this is obviously real life, not just a cartoon. Absolutely. Oh, hang on. Sorry, wait a sec. No, it is just a cartoon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I get that mixed up all the time. It's all right. I found it interesting, though, that they, that's the age that they gave her was 33. When, you know, why not just make her just a couple of, I don't, whatever. My wife's younger. My wife's more than seven years younger than me. So, okay. Yeah. It matters less as you get older. Yeah. Plus, I have the brain of a child. <laughs> I'm only six months older than my wife. So, oh, I, goodness. yeah. So she's much smarter and more mature than I am, (laughs) which is why she's never on the show. (laughs) Has no interest. So you get people like me on instead. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Jack. Uh, So they get ready to head to the mall, starting with Judy, who is a teenage girl. So she needs to pick the right outfit. And this machine that instantly changes her outfit. Is it hologramming clothes on her? I don't know. I thought it was actually the proper, the whole clothes on her, I thought. I couldn't tell if all of the people in the future were just walking around naked with the illusion of clothes on them or if it was just zapping clothes on them. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Because we've got to mention the first um, outfit that that machine chooses for her. 
little bit risque, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Right. For a 15-year-old? I don't know. I when my girls turn 15, they ain't going out dressed like that. No, mine either. Absolutely not. They'll probably try it, too. And I said, no. First off, that helmet doesn't go. Also, you can breathe the air still, hopefully. They're still a few years away from 15, but we should still be able to breathe the air by then. Here's hoping. Uh, but Judy ends up just wearing what she had on because Jane and Elroy will not wait for her. And on their way down their elevator chute thing, Judy reminds Astro not to peek at any presents. So he immediately goes to peek at the presents. Yeah, we got to come back to that a bit later on because he finds his one straight away. He sniffs it out, doesn't he? He's, yes. And he finds his present straight away. Right, yeah. We got to come back to that. We will. But for now, we're off to the mall. It's called the Moon Mall, but it's not actually on the moon. We're still high above the Earth. Did you notice that you could see the curvature of the Earth in the background of this mall scene? I did not. I'm looking at it, and all you could see is blue, so it looks like the polar ice caps are gone, and we've flooded the place. <laughs> well, it could be the side of the Earth. It, it could be. be. It might yeah. not be the poles. Yeah. It could be a coastal town. There you go. Because I still believe the Flintstones are actually in the future and they just live on the surface in the same time period. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that no? theory. No. Well, because Fred's been up in the air and stuff and you never see anything floating above him, do you? I guess. Yeah, that's a very good point. Well, there goes that whole theory. Well, that's just my take on it. That's, all right. that's a good take. Uh, but the mall is very nicely decorated for Christmas. Can I just say, so they, they park up in the stratosphere level. That's what, because there's no space. Yes. So, um, Elroy says, let's park in the stratosphere. Then they have to get on a walkway. Yes. Then they go through a suction tube. Then another blooming walkway just to get to Mooningdale's. That's a lot of effort. Can it just be one tube? Hey, yeah. I don't know. I didn't like these moving walkways either. They, they had no guardrails. No, they didn't. I noticed on the third one, they just struck a pose. Each of them. <laughs> no yeah, movement. Just, just strike yeah. a pose. Well, they're trying not to fall off, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. And I'm a very clumsy man. I would not survive on one of those. As they're going on the walkway into Mooningdale's, right? Yes. In the background, one of the signs says, buy stuff. That's fine. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's buy the next stuff. one, the next one says, right, ready? Happy to you. I did see that. Nothing else. Well, it's got happy to yo, and then the bit after it's covered over, but I'm sure there's only space for one letter. So this is like happy to yop or something. This is happy, <laughs> happy to, to you. No, happy to uh... you. <laughs> Which is how I'm going to start greeting people at Christmas. Perfect. Happy to you, everyone. That's happy my new to intro. You. <laughs> <laughs> so when they're looking at all the presents, and Elroy wants the guitar. Yes. And she says... That's too expensive. And he says, why can't we just make money the old-fashioned way? Borrow it. Borrow it. But then the best, this is the, this is my favorite line in the whole thing. After this, I, I was happy to switch off. He says, she says, no, you can't have it. And he says, oh, it's okay, mom. Oh, I can live without it, but not happily. <laughs> That's the greatest <laughs> That's line in the whole thing. <laughs> it is fit. The laugh track would have gone crazy yeah, if this was, was an episode from the 60s. And it's such great delivery from Elroy. He, re- he really put his... Hard into that line. Yep. So now we cut to Spacely Sprockets, where it's snowing heavily, but apparently only over that building. <laughs> the parking lot's buried. No one seems to be concerned because there's an office party happening. Is, it, is he the only human that works there, apart from his boss? It looks like it. He's the only human at this office party. Uh, and there are quite a few tipsy robots in the crowd shot. Yes. They all look half cut, don't they? they very do. merry. Yeah. 
I'll tell you what, though, they soon sober up, don't they? When old um, Space Lee turns up. Yes. You know, it's, their eyes are all like, yeah, a bit. Yeah, they kind of have a. And then as soon as Space Lee gives them a telling off, they're all back to normal. Back to work. Oh, and also at this point, there's this noise. I'm, Mike's going to edit the noise in for you, I'm hoping. Probably Absolutely. Not, I don't know. Everybody back to work on the double This noise. I counted nine times. I've actually ticked it off every time. Nine times this noise. This is you only ever hear this noise in cartoons. And whenever I've run somewhere, I've never heard that noise. <laughs> you know what I mean? The running noise. Like the they have some kind of it's, some kind of bongo or some percussion thing. I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about. And this is this is the longest one in the in this show. I know it's about the th- that's about the third time it's happened. Some of them is just when they're going out the door. Sure, Judy did it noise. when she was trying to catch up with the other two. Oh, uh, you caught it as well. Yeah. Oh it yeah. The first one. Sure. Uh, there's. I'm sure there's a name for that noise. Is it just a Hanna Barbera noise, or is it like Warner Brothers? Do they do it as well? You know, I think it might be Hanna Barbera. Now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, I don't remember Warner Brothers stooping so low. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I'm sure they have their own version of it. Oh, but maybe. I definitely, yeah, Hanna Barbera has this one because I remember hearing it in other things. Yogi Bear does it a lot when they're trying to, they're like winding up to run. That's it. Yeah, that's yeah. the sound. Yeah. Nine times they used it. Nine's a lot. Well, it might have been 10. Might have been. Uh, the only reason I say that is because one time I was counting, I counted seven. Next time I counted eight. Then it was 10. But this time I actually marked it off every time I heard it and it was nine. Okay. So. But before Spacely shows up, we have uh, George's computer, Rudy, uh, uh, has a great addition to your Christmas joke segment. Hello, George. Did you hear about the cat who crossed the desert on Christmas Eve? Yeah, he got sandy quad. I've already told that one. Have you? Yeah. And I'll tell you what, no one laughed then either. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, Mr. Spacely, of course, is voiced by Mel Blank. Oh, how I hate Christmas. I've never heard of him. Has he done any voice stuff before? Oh, he's the voice of Bugs Bunny. He's all of the Warner Brothers I'm joking, Mike. Oh, okay. I'm joking. (laughs) Like, really? He's a god. He's a god among voiceover actors. Uh, But Mr. Spacely was, as I mentioned, his final acting role in the the movie. Oh, yeah, like you said. Wow. That's a shame, isn't it? It really is. But he, he had a long, wonderful life. Yeah, but really, he could just claim that it was Yosemite Sam. He could. Because it pretty much is. He just doesn't say rootin' tootin' at all. Yeah, it's it's basically the same without that. You're right. Yeah. Uh, we last heard from Mel Blanc on this podcast is Barney Rubble. And speaking of the Flintstones, we cut back home to Rosie the Robot Maid, who's voiced by Gene Vanderpile, who is the voice of Wilma. Boy, I sure hope this thing can still make good eggnog. She's only got two scenes in this, doesn't she, Rosie the Robot? She does. Not a lot of... But they're very memorable scenes. Especially this first one. She's making eggnog, which, with a helpful recipe appearing on the screen, one egg, one nog. That sounds right. That's how I make it. Perfect. Have you ever made eggnog, Mike? Uh, not myself. I have not made homemade eggnog. So I tried once. It was Christmas, and I thought, right, I'm going to make some eggnog. And I got the recipe up online, and um, I put all the ingredients in there. I can't remember what it was. A long time ago. And it curdled. And I just oh, binned no. it all. And then I just drank rum and coke instead. Probably had a better time with the rum and coke, too. Well, yeah. Just to be honest, uh, I sort of feel like I'd like eggnog, but you can't buy it over here. Oh, really? So you can't buy it in a, you can't buy it like ready made. And so I had a go and I failed. Huh. So yeah, rum and coke. 
I would have had a better time if I'd never even started trying. So I spent a lot of time on that eggnog. Sure. Yeah, that's got to be disappointing. <laughs> you sound almost like you care. Well, you put a lot of effort into it. Now you sound. Now you actually do sound like you care. Okay. <laughs> uh, but but Rosie apparently likes hers very noggy because she starts slurring her words. This is gonna be one jolly Christmas. Uh, jolly Christmas. Uh, jolly Christmas. <laughs> yes, she does. A lot of drunk robots in the cartoon for children. Yeah. Again, more drunk robots. It's Christmas. And right about here is where Astro gets caught peeking at his present. James- no, you missed. You no. missed a oh, bit. What? What, what did I miss? You missed some a scene. I don't know why they put it in there. Um, Astro helps Elroy put up the mistletoe. Oh, he puts up the mistletoe and gives Elroy a big lick on the face. I don't know what's happened in the future, but that looks more like holly with white berries. It does. It did not look like mistletoe. That you, Those leaves do not look anything like... Yeah, and this is some sort of... Maybe they've just sort of... Um, Gene spliced it together. So instead of having holly and mistletoe, you can just buy one and then you've got them both in, in one go. But like yeah, could be. Future. So it's, it's, yeah, it's just like your one-stop shop for Christmas vegetation. You just <laughs> there it. it is. I don't yeah. know what they call it. He called it mistletoe. I'd call it holly toe. Holly toe, I like that. I like holly toe better. No reason for that being there at all, apart from Astro licks him and he says it's only for humans. Well, you wouldn't want the dog to eat the mistletoe, but... Mm. Or the human to eat it at that point. But th- no, that's a weird rule. Dogs mm. can't do mistletoe. It's a weird rule. And then Astro gets caught peeking at his present. Yeah, right. This is why I wanted to come back to this, right? Sure. So they've gone out shopping, right? They didn't just go for a couple of minutes. He sniffed out his present, right? What was he doing after he's found his present? He sniffed out straight after they left, right? Sure. Then he waits till they get home to open it. What is that? I don't know. They were out for a long time. He could have had it. He could have hidden it so yep. they didn't even know. He had all that time, and he waits till they get home to open it. Jane scolds him, saying it was supposed to be a surprise, and Astro very smartly replies, I'm surprised. Oh, actually, we, you, you missed the song. I'm terrible, aren't I? It, you no, it's okay. Mistake. It's all right. So, isn't it Orbity that says something about it? Like, he says something like... Oh, yeah, Orbity, their little other alien pet. It's this fuzzy yeah. little alien pet with springs for legs. Are you, are you going to talk about Orbity? We can, yeah. He's got a squeaky Frank Welker voice like Nibbler. Is that right? Is that who it is? Frank Welker. It's Frank Welker, yes. Oh, good work. So Orbity, so this is this is me showing off that I did a tiny bit of research. Um, Orbity <laughs> turned up in the first, he wasn't in the first season. No. So the 60s, he turned up in the first episode of the second season in the 80s. And Correct. It was Orbity, no, George meets Orbity. I think that was the episode's name. And this was his last appearance. So then really? after this, yeah, this was the last time you saw him. And then I think there was only 10 episodes after this. It was like a third season. Yeah, it was a very short third season. And That's then the it. movie. Yeah, and he wasn't in that. And I don't know why. I thought he was very cute, actually. I quite liked him. Yeah, I liked Orbity. Yeah. He's a grass, though, isn't he? Going, oh, woof, woof. He's looking at his present. Yeah, so little bad. snitch. Yeah. Did you use the term grass? Is that a term you use? No, I don't know that one. Oh, sn- a fink? Is that a word? Uh, nark we use. Uh, snit- snitch is the one that we use, or He's the fink. one that I know of. Yeah, fink. You do? Uh, yeah, do you know I got from Happy Days. I remember um, Fonzie was unhappy because he called Richie a fink in one episode. I've okay. never heard it before other than that. There you go. We say grass. I don't know why. Yeah, I don't know. Fink is more something that my parents' generation would say. I, I think people my age... 
and younger usually go with Snitch. Snitch, yeah. We use Snitch a bit. Uh, but Astro surprises. His gift is a robot cat he can chase around the house, and he immediately gets really angry at it. This robot cat does not appear to be that sophisticated of a machine. Uh, do you have a Roomba? I have a... I'm a gardener, so... Okay, instead, that's right. Yeah, so I have a Roomba lawnmower. Oh, wow. It's called a Landroid, so it's like a little automated mower. So it's like a Roomba, but it mows your grass. Wow, that sounds yeah. amazing. That's because I'm a gardener. I can't face mowing my own grass. Sure, but, well, if, yeah. I'll mow other people's, but I refuse to mow my own, so we've got this little machine that does it. So, yes, it's like that. It's like a Roomba. Yeah, you're done work. You don't want to come home and do more work. No, I don't. No, but I don't have a Roomba for... From the ones I've seen, they seem pretty good at avoiding things you would not want to run over, like Orbity. Oh, yeah, he squishes him. Oh, yeah, plows right over him. Flattens the poor guy. He's okay, but still. Meanwhile, the kids are wondering when their dad's going to get home so they can open their presents, which I guess the Jetsons open theirs on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I didn't like that. No, me neither. So, yeah, you're a Christmas morning guy as well. Yes. Well, actually... No, we're we're Christmas after lunch. Most of them really lunch. Oh wow! Yeah, that's that was always a tradition at my house. Um, anything you got from Santa, you opened in the morning, and you might okay. get one from the other pile, and then we'd have lunch. In fact, sometimes it was after the Queen's speech. It's like three o'clock. Wow! You have to wait for a present. Yeah. I know. And then you tell people at school, and they go, "What we open all ours in the morning?" I'm like, "Oh yeah, well, you should show some restraint, shouldn't you?" <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, no, we were always just everything in the morning. Santa's first and then ours from each other. Mm. Usually. I don't know if we have that much of an order now with my family, but but I know some families who open gifts from each other on Christmas Eve and the bigger things from Santa on Christmas morning. And I guess the Jetsons fall under that camp. Yeah. Makes a lot more sense to do that than the reason we're about to find out. George suddenly has to work overtime. So he's about to leave work when Mr. Spacely appears on the floating TV monitor and tells him he needs to stay and handle a big sprocket order that just came in. And this doesn't make any sense. No, not, not that late on Christmas Eve. No, his reasoning is that every Christmas toy in the stores has a Spacely sprocket in it. Okay, but they're already built and should have been on the shelves for months now, right? You'd like to hope, wouldn't you? <laughs> There's yeah. not that many people that are going out just before midnight on Christmas Eve to do their Christmas shopping. No, I hope not. A big order like that should have gone out way before Halloween even. Yeah. Unless the idea was that shopping is instant in the future so they can just place an order and it'll be ready so it's a fast shipping thing but i i don't buy that no not having it no i think mr spacely just hates christmas so much he doesn't want anyone else to go home and enjoy themselves mm. and this is this is the first time that we sort of get an inkling that um that this is a christmas not a christmas this is a scrooge it's a take on a christmas carol yes it comes in pretty late because george says that he should be visited by Three ghosts. Yes. Uh, no, yeah, this is when he says his boss is worse than Scrooge. Some foreshadowing there, but also that tells us the people in the Jetsons universe know the story of A Christmas Carol. So if Mr. Spacely told someone else about what's about to happen to him later in the episode, they might not be as amazed as someone... That's a good point. I never thought of that. Yeah, yeah. they would just go, oh, like Scrooge. You got the Scrooge treatment on Christmas Eve. Yeah, never thought of that. That's funny. 
that must be distinctly understood or nothing wonderful can come of this story. <laughs> Very good. Uh, thank you. Uh, back to the Jetson residence. Everyone's having fun watching Astro chase the robot cat around the house. Right. This bit, eight minutes, 37 seconds in, you're going to have to play this audio clip because I swear to goodness, when I first three or four times I heard it, I swear that he said, I don't know if I can say this word. I swear, he's, as Astro's chasing that cat, he says, bastard, bastard cat. Oh. I think it's blasted. I think it's blasted, but... But because of his speech impediment, sounds a bit more like <laughs> yeah. bastard cat to Bra- me. Yeah, because it's all the R's. Bastard cat. Oh, you're... That's funny. Yeah. Did you beep that? I don't know if you beeped that. We'll find out when <laughs> no, I No, we to don't. It. Yeah, that's... We can say that here. You say bastard. Woohoo! Bastard, <laughs> bastard! <laughs> oh, there's an episode of The Simpsons, isn't there? Where, he's, where Bart's saying it, isn't it? Do you remember? Probably. He's singing it in the back of the car. Bastard, oh, bastard, right. bastard, bastard. <laughs> Because isn't he talking about his dad's brother, Danny DeVito? Oh, that's right. I think it might be that episode. Yeah. He's going, oh, so he's a bastard. (laughs) Do you know what? My mum loves the fact that I refer to uh, one of my nephews as a bastard. She (laughs) she doesn't. Oh, no, I was. No. Please stop. I don't do it when he's there. I just do it to my mum. No, not in front of him. Well, that's good. Yeah. Should we stop talking about bastard? Probably. Yeah, probably best. Yeah, but, but Astro... Chases the robot cat around the house and he catches it only to crash into a wall. Well, hang on, sorry. What happened sure. before that? What happens? I'll tell you what, Looney Tunes. Suppose they didn't have a um, court case on their hands. What's that? Did you not notice it? The cat's running along and he goes, Meep, 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 meep. Oh, the cat's. <laughs> yeah, the, the cat makes a beep, beep noise yeah. like the Roadrunner. But Astro catches it finally, only to crash into a wall and accidentally swallow a sprocket from his now broken toy. That's funny. The way that happens, it's like everything else is just clattered already, and then this one sprocket just drops from directly above straight into his mouth. Going- right. It kind of floats above him for a second and then drops right into his mouth, which he has to open. I guess he's opening to yell in pain. Mm. She does. And the sprocket just drops right down his guzzle. And at this point, it immediately makes Astro very deathly ill to the point where he turns a bit green. Yeah, that's it. And the next, it's, it's, they pick him up and he's green. When they pick him up, he's turned, yeah. Yeah, he's not choking. He can clearly wail or, I'm dying. <laughs> but that was a big gear piece that fell down his throat. So that can't be doing anything fun to his insides. No, no. And then we go back to work and George finishes processing this big sprocket order. I tell you what, he's got he's got quite a high tech job that he's doing there, pressing the same button over and over. Yeah, that's that's tough work. I could do with a job like that, right? <laughs> uh, Spacely tells him, "See you in the morning." And here's where George reminds him, "No, tomorrow's Christmas, and it's a day off." Yeah, but the way he says it, it's like it's, I think it says, "But I think he says, but tomorrow's Christmas," and that was like the only time, pretty much in the whole episode, that I felt like they'd used a line from a Christmas Carol because. You know, that's what Cratchit says, isn't it? Yeah, there are only a few direct quotes in here. I, there's at least one or a very similar one coming much later, but I think that's the first. I think you're right. Mm. Uh, but the good news for George is Spacely just forgot that tomorrow is Christmas and it's a day off. So I guess sprocket order processing is not an essential service on Christmas. And for a second, it looks like George's car is buried under all of that snow in the parking lot. But then I remembered, oh, yeah, his car can fly. 
Thankfully, they didn't show him having to dig his way into the car, which I've had to do. And that's not fun. Yeah, not a problem. Not a problem with that in the UK. Oh, no? No, we get a, a sprinkling if we're lucky of snow. Okay. Uh, I remember I used to take snow closing calls for the local radio station when uh, schools would close. So I would have to stay in overnight. I would park at a train station. I would go in. When I get back to my car, no one else had taken the train in. They plowed the parking lot for the next day. So there's just a big mountain of snow only on my car (laughs) that I had to dig out. But George can just get in and fly out of the mound of snow covering his car. Future's wonderful. Hurry up and make flying cars, someone. Should have had them back by Back to the Future 2, and we're still waiting for them. You have 40 more years. You're going to play the, that jingle you play? Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> so George makes it home where we find Astro now sick with 102 degree fever. That's 38.8 degrees Celsius. No, oh, well done. Uh, which first off is considered normal body temperature for a dog. Is that true? Yes, I, I looked that up. I'm like, is that? This is the research, kids. Listen That's to right. this. This, this is, is why you proper listen. research. That's incredible, Mike. You should be proud of yourself. And listeners, you should be there nodding your heads going, that is research. That is real research. Wow. Now, normal dog temperature is between 101 and 102. So Astro should be fine as far as a dog goes. He's faking it. Brilliant. He's faking it. Yep. The whole thing's a ruse. Uh, But also, why is Jane taking the dog's temperature after he swallowed a foreign object? I guess it's just because he's that ill. He's turned green. I think. I guess wanna, so, yeah. Uh, any diagnosis you can get, I think. Yeah, it could be a symptom of that, but they already know what's wrong with him. That's true. Swallowed a gear. Uh, and she sends Judy and Elroy to look for a vet open on Christmas Eve, but apparently none are open. No. Which veterinary emergency clinics exist, exist now. What happens to them in the future? Yeah. This is a concern. This is a concern. (laughs) Take better care of your pets, future people. The Jetsons will return after these messages. Hi, kids. George Jetson here with a glimpse of your future. The 21st century is really terrific. Um, with just one exception. Smog. Holly, want a gift, Miss? Fortunately, my house can rise above the air pollution, but your lungs can't. We can all use a breath of fresh air. Tell your parents to write a call the National Clean Air Coalition to find out how your family can help reduce pollution. Let's make the future crystal clear. And now, back to the Jetsons. Uh, But we cut back to Spacely's, who's still at work. He doesn't even bother going home. We find him in a room with just stacks full of cash and coins. Yeah, which is how it's going to be in another 40 years, just all cash in it. I guess so, yeah. No Bitcoin in the future. It's all it's all back to cash. It's all back to paper money. That's it. Good. And coins. A lot of coins there as well. A lot of, yeah, just gold coins. It's almost Scrooge, Scrooge McDuck worthy, but he could fit it on a table. It is. That's exactly what it reminded me of, but it's on a big conference table. All just, he leaves piles of money sitting in a room. Doesn't yep. look like it's very secure at all. It looks just like my front room. That's his <laughs> gardening's a good business to be in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah. That's yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> uh he wanted to deposit it. He mentioned wanting to go to the bank, but they're closed. But that can't all be from this one big sprocket order. They didn't just send him paper money the day of. So it's it has been sitting there. 
So Spacely decides he'd better stay there with his money, gets ready to drift off to sleep right there. When he's awakened by the mummified ghost of his former business partner, Marsley. I used to be greedy and selfish like you, but look at me now, Cosmo. Yeah, now on Wiki- was it not Wikipedia, on IMDB, they refer to him as Jacob Marsley. And it and it doesn't say that at any point. Neither of them say Jacob. No, they do not use Marsley. the name Jake. The Jacob, you're right. Yeah, he's got sort of blue skin, kids. If you haven't seen the episode, he's sort of got blue skin. And it looks like he's got antennae Yes, well. that's what I saw. Through, I thought through the, through the mummy bandages. Yeah. Hoping that's two little antennae. Yeah. I saw that. I thought maybe he might actually be from Mars. And it's not just a... Yeah, I'm guessing that was, that was the hilarious joke they were making. Shame we didn't have the laugh track because we could have... we could have. Uh, yeah, they would have let us know it was a joke. Yeah, they could have done that with... Everybody's name is a space pun and that could have gone far with a laugh track. Uh, the ghost of Marsley is voiced by Alan Melvin, who was also the voice of McGilla Gorilla. And on the Brady Bunch, he was Alice's boyfriend, Sam the Butcher. Do you know what? We never really got the Brady Bunch over here. Oh, really? Or the Partridge family. I don't think, anyway. Wow. I'm pretty old, so I would have th- I, I, I thought. Do you remember it from a kid? Were oh, you, yeah. Were you old enough? Yeah, yes. then in that case, because I'm older than you, so yeah, no. So Marsley, of course, is here to warn Mr. Spacely that he must change his greedy ways or end up a tortured soul like himself. And he's there to herald the coming of three spirits. Spacely is convinced he's dreaming, but here's where the usual fun Scrooge stuff starts. Our old familiar three spirits, starting with the ghost of Christmas past, which is a flying drone that looks... I thought it looked like an old Polaroid camera a little bit. Uh, yeah, maybe. It's got that interesting readout for its mouth, that like, like wave form thing, isn't it? Right, like Bender has is what I... Uh, oh, yeah. Very familiar yeah. to Bender. Uh, it's a very strange design for any robot, but especially one that's supposed to represent Christmas past. I know. I was expecting some sort of weird... When, 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 uh, some sort of technology from like maybe the 80s or even before like an old typewriter or something. that's exactly what i have in my notes i said maybe this one should have been a typewriter yeah uh it's don messick doing the voice here so this voice sounds like a normal speed papa smurf i come for you cosmo spacely i am the spirit of christmas past uh, well uh, uh spacely isn't here And instead of taking Mr. Spacely flying over the city, this ghost zaps him into a vortex to the past. That was clever. The the effects there of going into the past, that was, they pulled out all the stops. That's right. Yeah. This little wormhole back to Spacely's childhood, where we see him running a lemonade stand on a playground with little Georgie Jetson. How's business, Georgie? We're doing terrific, Cosmo. Well, where are the profits? Right here, Cosmo. We're rolling in dough. Thanks, Georgie. Keep up the good work. But where is my share? Oh, yeah. Here's a penny. I tell you what, Georgie Jetson stuck with his look, hadn't he? He sure did. His haircut, his clothes, all identical. Oh, yeah. Just a lot smaller. Just smaller and with a different voice. I There was no credit for his uh, younger self voice, but it's it's definitely a different actor. Oh, yeah. Uh, I thought it was a little bit Muppet Babies, that bit. Yeah, that's what it reminded me of. Yeah. But what surprised me, I never would have guessed that George Jetson and Mr. Spacely were that close in age that they would be children together. I know. I thought the same thing. And also I thought, well, you know, it's about his business partner. 
Marsley, when did he come into it? Hey, yeah. We never found out. No. So little Georgie is running the lemonade stand when his little buddy Cosmo asks to see the profits and pulls a wad of cash that Cosmo yoinks out of his hand and in exchange for Georgie's share, a whole shiny penny all for himself. Don't get greedy. No. Did you ever sell lemonade as a kid, Jack? Not a thing we do in the UK. No. Oh, wow. Really? No, we just we, we more sort of go out thieving. <laughs> That's not true. That's not true. That's a joke. Don't be, yeah. That was British humor. We do not go out thieving. But we don't have lemonade stands, sadly, no. Oh, no. I don't think I've ever seen one. I'm sure someone's had a go, but no. Yeah, I feel like my friends did. I don't think I ever sold lemonade. If anything, as a kid... If I had my own lemonade and I wanted people to try it, I probably would have just given them a cup. Just, hey, I made some lemonade. Do you want some? You're never going to make it rich like that, buddy. Yeah, well. Spacely would have sacked you. That's right. Jetson in instead. <laughs> uh, the next stop on our tour of Spacely's past, which doesn't seem to be actually Christmas past. No, I never thought of that. That's a good point. Neither of them are, are they? No. First, we only have two memories, and neither of them are Christmas at all. At least not explicitly. Because our next stop is uh, the old fly-in movie theater. Fly-in movie. See what they did there? Would that have got the laugh track going? I don't know. It should have. Didn't get my laugh track going, I'll tell you that. No, no, (laughs) it was just, oh, I get it, because their cars can fly. What are they watching, Mike? They're watching the Flintstones. Yay! And that brings me back to my my old theory of are they the same time? Because I have questions here. Okay. There was a special called The Jetsons Meet the Flintstones, and it involved a time machine Elroy built. And the conceit of the theory that I brought up before is that the time machine never actually traveled through time, only space. But here, Mr. Spacely as a teenager going on a date with his future wife is watching a fly-in movie about the Flintstones. So, what if Elroy's time machine did work, but it was just way off and it only sent them back a couple of decades? You have no idea. Yeah, it's a lot to process. <laughs> or it's all just a cartoon and I'm making thinking about it too much. But Do you know what? There was always actually, I quite like the line that, that, that goes on here where she says, Sometimes I think you love money more than you love me. Yeah, but I love you more than I love Spaceball. Uh, yes, all right. That's, that's, that's humor. <laughs> that, was, yeah, that. that was good. At least you're trying. <laughs> and it's a very different take on this scene because Mr. Spacely still goes on to marry his wife. Yeah, yeah, not like in the book. Not no. Like in Scrooge. Christmas Carol. Yeah, but, but he wins her over by promising to take a half a day off on their wedding day, which, wow. That's how I got my wife to marry me. Is that right? Yeah, I said, I'll be mowing <laughs> in the morning. Come the afternoon, I'll put the lawnmower away. I Quick might even change. get changed, and I'll come and marry you. Perfect. Yep. And the rest is history. <laughs> and then here it seems like the ghost of Christmas past has just given up, and we're back on Spacely's on his piles of money table. And next to arrived is the spirit of Christmas present, which is literally a talking wrapped Christmas present. Yeah, I like that. I thought that was okay. Yeah, they could have they could have done it worse. It was all right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, inside the wrapped present is a pair of arms which grab Spacely and pull him inside the box. You can see a little scuffle going on inside this box, and then it shapeshifts into a rocket and blasts off to the window outside the Jetsons' apartment. Yeah, but it doesn't, does it? Because it blasts off up into the air, 
and then it materializes. Yeah, it just kind of poofs next to the window. Yeah, and it's a present again. So why did why didn't it just poof from a present to a present? Why did it have to transform into a rocket? What a waste of energy. Yeah, really. Uh, but we're outside the Jetsons' apartment, and Astro is still terminally ill. Yeah. And George tells his family to prepare for the worst, since there's no veterinary urgent care open anywhere. If the future doesn't have a doctor who makes house calls on holidays for dying pets, maybe Mr. Spacely isn't the only villain of this special. Yeah, this is a good point. But he's the most persistent villain. Nothing about seeing his employer's family distraught over the thought of losing their beloved pet pulls a single heartstring on Spacely. He is not interested at all. Does not care. So the ghost of literal Christmas present dumps Spacely back into his money counting chair which he actually loads up with his wads and bags full of cash and prepares to head home when he's confronted by the towering ghost of Christmas yet to be, they call it. That's right. Yeah, not yet to come. But it was good because it didn't speak. So I like that. They did that well. No, it it communicates only in beeps. Yep. (laughs) Don't tell me. Let me guess. You're the spirit of Christmas yet to be, right? It looks like a tall mainframe computer tower. That should have been the Christmas past design. That looks like an old style mainframe computer. Yeah. But they needed a machine to look tall and foreboding because a robot Grim Reaper might have been a little too much for tiny children. Yeah. Uh, And we get a black computer with red buttons and greed side panels. So at least it's painted somewhat Christmassy. Uh, and this ghost in the machine zaps Spacely to a very luxurious-looking space mansion, all decorated for Christmas. He thinks it's where he's living, but no, it's the home of the Jetsons in the future. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I'm interested to know how far in the future this is, because no one's aged. No. Elroy is exactly the same height. So is Judy. Um, and Jane has changed her hair. She's still gorgeous. Very interesting haircut, though. Still gorgeous. Her hair's just up. They're all dressed very luxuriously. I don't know whether they're having a Christmas party or it's just, we're rich now, let's dress fancily. Yeah. Yeah, That I have that note, too. And it's like, it must only be one year in the future because no one's aged. Yeah, but then George says something like, Ah, at Christmas, I always think of our old dog, Astro. So it's like, well, well this, is, this is only the next Christmas. So it's got to be at least two years, I would have thought. Yeah, that's a good point. I missed that part. I know. they're all in evening attire gathered around their laser tree again yep it's a significantly bitter one bigger one this time uh judy and elroy cheerfully ask their dad for a few thousand bucks each you know for the weekend and george is happy to oblige and with the push of a button he makes it rain oh daddy you're so giving i always have to get rid of excessive cash anyway thanks dad oh i love your cash flow yeah Again, just like my front room, that is, yep. <laughs> you have a button that makes money fall from the ceiling? Big gardening dollars <laughs> raining <laughs> from the ceiling. Sometimes you have to treat yourself. Yeah. So we get it. They're loaded now, but why? And it turns out George sued his boss for millions of dollars because Astro swallowed that spacely sprocket. And the prospect of being ruined and humiliated is finally what makes Mr. Spacely see the error of his ways. Uh, Tell me, oh great spirit, is this a vision of what might happen or will happen? That's the other one. That's the other line. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they stay pretty true to the book, this version did. Pretty true to the book. (laughs) Yes, very. 
Almost nailed it. But he's not even really changed his ways, has he? It's literally, I can't let that happen. Yeah, that's it. He still wants to keep all his money. And he still looking really, out for like, number one. Yeah. Uh, but before he can even say anything else, the ghost zaps Spacely back into his office. It's apparently Christmas morning. Man, we went through those ghosts a little too quickly for my liking. Flew through them. Yeah, but do you know what? It was 11 minutes in. That's true. Before Mars, we were halfway through before Mars even turned up. Yes. So they had to get things rolling really quickly. There was a lot of buildup that maybe they didn't really need. But. Yeah, for example, the bit where they put the mistletoe up. That's one of the bits I think, what? We don't need this. We don't need that. They could have me an extra was... scene for the Ghost of Christmas past. Sure. They didn't need to spend that much time at the mall. Unfortunately, we do not see Mr. Spacely offer to pay a young boy in a jetpack or whatever to go zip over to the butchers and buy a prize turkey. No. See, that's what they could have done with the time of that mistletoe yeah. scene. Take the mistletoe scene out. Have a little boy in a jetpack out on the street saying, Walker. Yeah, space walker. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> uh, but instead, we cut to outside the Jetsons place again. Hold on, hold on. No, before oh. that, this is this what is a bit done? I really loved. Okay. Because he's got a picture of his wife. Oh, yes. and, he, and, he, and she looks she looks very grim yeah and he's like who loves your baby and he kisses the picture and then she's got a big smile on her face the picture smiles and i love that bit she looks really happy to be getting kissed by danny devito <laughs> i did enjoy that bit it's not danny devito he just looks like danny devito he does that's the, that's the point yeah I'm not telling you that because you've seen it, but some of the listeners might not have seen it. Sure. If they ever do a live action Jetsons movie, he's the one to call. He had to be, he'd have to be, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So make it happen. Well, me make it happen. To make the Jetsons movie while we still have Danny DeVito. He's getting up there. I'll do it. I'll get started on Monday. Perfect. Thank you. Oh, it's tomorrow because this is Sunday, is it? Is it Scrooge Sunday? Yes, it's Scrooge Sunday. Happy Sunday, everyone. Hope you're having a lovely day. Then we go to the Jetsons' place again uh, with Mr. Spacely, now accompanied by a flying convertible full of presents and his personal veterinarian to come treat Astro. His personal veterinarian? He's got some mood swings, hasn't he? He sure does. When they first turn up, and the way old Spacely is sort of draped across his spaceship, (laughs) very interesting the way he's sitting there, but he's got his vet with him looking very happy. And then they walk in, and the vet looks miserable as sin. He does, yes, because he yeah. apparently woke him up early on Christmas morning to make this house call. Yeah, but he's gone from happy to miserable. And then when it's like, I've got my vet here, he's going to sort your dog out, he's all smiles again. All cheery. Literally, in less than 10 seconds, he's gone from happy to miserable to very happy again. Roller coaster of emotions from the vet. Uh, I had yeah. to look up whether Mr. Spacely even had a pet to warrant a personal vet. And he does. It's a bulldog named Zero. Once again, kids, that's research. Kids. There's your research. That's research. Uh, what's less plausible is the vet's non-surgical solution of just shoving his arm down Astro's throat to pick up the sprocket. He gets the x-ray out first, doesn't he? Holds the x-ray in front of him. To make sure that's what it is, yeah. And there's there's the sprocket just floating in his belly. Just, yep. Just reaches in there. Hey, any med students who might be listening, don't reach into a dog's mouth to get something out of their stomach. Do you not? Is that not how you do it? Probably not. No. I'm not a vet. I'm a gardener. Have we discussed that? We might have. (laughs) Might have come up. Uh, But who am I to argue with a physician from the future? I don't know. The doctor finds and extracts the sprocket. And Astro instantly feels like his old non-green self again. 
Yeah, that's it. He does. He just turns from green straight to gray again. Just like yep. that. Bang. Job done. And to show Mr. Spacely's a changed man, he also delivers some gifts he got for the Jetson family, including a rocket roll guitar Elroy's had his eye on. Yeah. How do you think rocket roll is different from rock and roll? Besides just it's a punny name because it's the future. Um, the difference is it's hilarious. <laughs> That's it. That's it. It's yeah, because it's a it's a um, future joke, which is really funny. Yep, just a jet engine screaming in your face during every song. Judy gets a pair of nuclear powered roller skates. Nothing to be concerned about there. Jane gets a bottle of perfume that George is a big fan of. Oh, he is. Yeah. He's sniffing up and down Jane's neck and we get little <laughs> hearts in his eyes. And the, the way he puts his hands is very interesting as well. I'm not I'm not going to suggest that he's actually it's being suggestive, but the, where his hands are, if you watch this kids, you'll see what I mean. It looks it's, yeah. Not on his wife, his sort of hands in front of his on himself. Groin. I'll say yeah. it. Put his hands in front of his groin. Do you say groin in the States? We can say groin. You say that, do you? Sure. Do you use that word frequently? Not really. Only when necessary. I do. Most well, days. All right. <laughs> Work it in once a day. <laughs> uh, and Mr. Spacely also promises George, quote, a fat raise. That's it. Yep. Uh, Spacely also got Orbity a present, a box of edible aliens. Yeah. What was that? I don't know. They look like sea monkeys. Are they going to be alive? Was that the point? I hope not. Yeah, otherwise, what are they? Sweets in the shape of an alien? I didn't quite get it. I assume that they were like actual former, like some cultures have chocolate covered bugs or something. Oh, I see. Something like that. And little guys just popping them into his mouth like cheese balls. Yep. Chomping them down. Yeah. Uh, and he got Rosie a new sterling silver apron. That was it. That was her second appearance, wasn't it? Then she's, That's then she's it. done. Nope. She's out of there. Uh, Astro does not get a present. His present was his life. <laughs> it's the greatest gift. You get to. That's right. You get to live. The greatest gift he'll get this year is life. Yes. Band-Aid. <laughs> well done. <laughs> uh, and then we kind of wrap up from there. Mr. Spacely bids the family a Merry Christmas. He heads home to spend the rest with his wife. And George leads the whole Jetson family in a round of We Wish You a Merry Christmas to sing us out. Merry Christmas, Mr. Spacey! Merry Christmas to all! <laughs> Hit it, gang! We wish you a Merry Christmas! We wish you a Merry Christmas! We wish you a Merry Christmas! And a Happy New Year! Uh, and that is it. That's it. Very silly, very short adaptation of A Christmas Carol, but I had fun. I'm glad someone did. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts on a Jetson Christmas Carol? <laughs> I'm a purist, aren't I? I was never a massive fan of the Jetsons anyway, and but I do like A Christmas Carol. I just didn't like this one. But, you know, go and watch it, kids. It's only 22 minutes of your life. You'll never get back, isn't it? It's not a massive amount. Yeah, no. If you're a Jetsons fan, then you should watch it. But like I said, it never really sort of got to me. I'd, I'd, I'd be more interested in the, the Flintstones Christmas Carol, which I haven't covered yet, I'm ashamed to say. Neither have I. Have you not? So No. I, you I did one of the Christmas ones, though, didn't you? I did a Flintstone Christmas where he, uh, he takes over for Santa, but I haven't done Flintstone Christmas Carol. It is on my to-do list. Hang on a minute. What's that? 
a character from a show taking over as Santa Claus. This is unheard of. <laughs> it was revolutionary. Revolutionary, yes. Uh, but again, I thought we breezed through those ghosts too quickly. I would have liked more time with them. Yeah, I think the problem you've got here is because he's the boss, they couldn't have made the episode all about him, could they? So they, so that's why like the first half of it is about the Jetsons. Yeah, that's a good point. And then the second half is is about him. And then even you know the second half is George and the family in three out of the four scenes he visits, isn't it? It's the Jetsons. Yeah. So George is in the past one. And then they go to both of the, the present and the future. It's just going to see what the Jetsons are up to. Both of the Jetsons, yeah. But I'm glad this exists. It was a fun little trip back to the 80s by way of 40 years into the future. Yes. Yes. But thank you, Jack. I'm very happy to have you on. Yeah, it's been a real pleasure. Um, So, kids, pay attention to this. Like the, the last day of July is going to be the day George Jetson is born. That's right. Somewhere. It's coming up. Yeah. So I'm glad we could celebrate it a little bit early. Yeah. But Jack, if people want to invite you to their office Christmas party with a bunch of tipsy robots, where can they find you on the internet? Well, I won't lie to you, Mike. It's very hard for people to find my podcast, or at least judging by the listening figures, <laughs> it's very hard for people to find my podcast. Um, I present a fantastic show, in my opinion, called The Total Christmas Podcast. And if you type in The Total Christmas Podcast, I might turn up. Um, the, the website's totalchristmaspodcast.com and I release an episode every two weeks where I talk about all sorts of things about Christmas. Frequently, I not every episode, but most episodes, I'll discuss a version of A Christmas Carol. Um, and then I talk about other stuff about Christmas, really. Yeah, all sorts. That's all I, that's all I can say. I'm not on Twitter, or at least I am on Twitter, but I've, I haven't checked it in two years. So I, I think my account's still going. Um, I'm not on Instagram. I am on Facebook. You can have a look on there. Yeah. Total Christmas. Total Christmas. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite Christmas podcasts. One of them. It's in his top 100, kids. <laughs> top 100. It might be my favorite. There, I said it. <laughs> it's, I don't it's, care what anybody else thinks. When you laughed then, when you laughed then, it's in my top 100. It was like, no, it's not. It's, it's maybe top 200. <laughs> it's, that's how, <laughs> that's how it came across, Mike. <laughs> That's how the listeners heard it, well, and that's how I heard it. <laughs> top 200, I can deal with that. If I'm in the top 200 Christmas podcasts, then I'm doing okay. That's still pretty good. There are a lot of Christmas podcasts out there. There is now, isn't there? Goodness, yeah. you got in quite early, didn't you, Mike? You got in quite early. 2017 is when I started. Yeah, so I, was, I wasn't until 2020. I've only been going two years. So, yeah, you've got a lot of back, back episodes for us to listen to, which is good. Uh, well, please definitely check out the Total Christmas Podcast. Uh, and you can find show notes for this episode and links to Jack's podcast at adventcalendar.house. And you can say hi on Twitter at FallWestMike and AdventCalHouse. For our next episode, we're doing something new and going from A Christmas Carol to our first adaptation of It's a Wonderful Life. Can't wait for you to hear it. But until then, for Jack from the Total Christmas Podcast, live from a barrier-free conveyor belt in the sky, this is Mike Westfall saying... Well, I don't have to tell you to mind the icy patch because you're already on a moving walkway. Put down a cup of salt, Mike. You just a cup of salt, cup of salt. and no one will be slipping up. I gotta remember that. Good night. And now these messages.
Hi, I'm Justin. And I'm Amy. And we're the hosts of the Cool Kids Club podcast, a new show dedicated to everything we love and remember from our shared childhoods. Every episode, we will take you on a nostalgia-fueled journey back to the glory days of the 80s, 90s, and beyond. Whether it's toys, pop culture, junk food, or fashion, no topic is too cool for the Cool Kids Club. So check out the Cool Kids Club podcast with America's favorite siblings, Justin and Amy, coming very soon wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Cool Kids Club Pod. Next time on the Advent Calendar House...